Hi guys, welcome to the first episode of Your Sepsis Stories. So, I thought, what better way to start off is to introduce myself and actually tell you my story about why I have become a sepsis uh, awareness advocate and also um, tell you a little bit about me. So, my name is Laura Williams. I graduated as a podiatrist six years ago, um, and I loved it. I Basically, I would consider it to be having a chat with friends and the feet were an after, afterthought. And yes, I know a lot of people think, ew, feet. Um, <laughs> and I think that when it comes to dentists, so it's like, yeah. Um, but that's another story. Um, so my story, it starts in February the 7th, no, actually February the 3rd, 2019. And what happened? Well, I was working. I was at a nursing home pardon me, and I was looking after the feet of the residents, and I've been going there for a while, so a few people knew me, um, and one of the residents, um, for confidentiality reasons, her name has been changed, but I always find it much nicer when there is a name being used, so let's just say her name is Joan. So I was walking down the corridor with my trolley because, yes, I had basically a shopping trolley. And Joan saw me and was like, oh, Laura, it's so lovely to see you. Can I have a hug? And, well, I am quite a tactile person. And I was like, oh, what kind of person would I be if I didn't hug her back? So I gave her a hug and... Uh, we had about a five-minute chat, and then I was like, I've really got to go because I need to do the feet. And then every time I went past her room later on that day, her door was shut. So I was just thinking that she was having personal care. Um, but at the end of the day, I was writing down my notes. And because I'm dyslexic, it takes me a lot longer, especially when I'm tired. And I saw her being wheeled off in an ambulance by the, um, well, being wheeled off on a stretcher um, into the uh, the lift to go to hospital. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what's happened? Is she all right? And they said she had uncontrollable sickness and diarrhea. Sorry, guys. And I was like, oh, great. I gave her a hug earlier. So I was just thinking, Wonderful. And two days later, I woke up with sickness and diarrhea myself. However, I also had toothache in my right side. And so, as anyone who knows, toothache is vile. So, <laughs> it was like, woohoo! So, I phoned the doctors and phoned the dentist, also phoned in work to say that I wouldn't be in. And... Um, thought nothing of it. I was like, 
yay, I caught the bug off Joan. And yes, I've said this story so many times that I actually, although I know her name, she is Joan for me now. Uh, <laughs> um, so I was like, right, phone the doctors, phone the dentist. And they were like, well, you can't come in because you're contagious. And I was like, yeah, I kind of figured that. But the doctors did say, if it gets worse, give us a call and we may have to get you in. So I was like, right, that's fine. Um, and two days later, I woke up with no neck. I basically looked like a hamster that had eaten so many um, nuts that my throat was massive. Um, and it was like, oh, this is interesting. But I was finding it quite difficult to breathe. However, me being the absolute typical healthcare professional uh, said, you know, I don't want to go to a and &E. I'll just go to the doctors because I don't want to waste their time. So bearing in mind, I woke up at 6.30. At 8.30, I phoned the doctors. At 8.30, I heard, we're very sorry, the doctors are shut today due to training. And I was like, what? But I told my mum. My mum got me an appointment 20 seconds later. It was basically because um, I was hallucinating. I was like, great. I went to the doctors um, and he took one look at me and was like, and felt my, felt my neck. And he said, um, I'm not a mouth specialist. You need to go to get an emergency appointment with the dentist. And I completely agree with that because it was out of his scope of practice. So um, bearing in mind, I was so out of it. Um, my mum was taking me. So my mum took me to the, dentist, uh, to the doctors. I don't remember much. She was doing all the talking. I know that because I could not talk. I said about 10 words in it for an, an entire day. And I'm a fast talker and I'm a chatterbox. <laughs> so I then got an appointment with the dentist an hour later and we were sat there, I was shaking uh, uncontrollably to the point where it looked like I was having a fit. Uh, I was swollen, I felt so incredibly hot. I was, I was just trying to get rid of like, as many clothes as I could, bearing in mind it was February <laughs> and it was cold. Um, and so, it was like, right, okay. And mum was like, no, 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 just keep that on. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so we were in the waiting room for about five minutes and then went into the dentist. Um, and if it wasn't for her, I don't think I'd be here. Basically, because within 30 seconds, she was basically saying, I don't want to scare you, but you need IV antibiotics. Um, 
at this point, all I was thinking was, oh, shit. Um, because as a healthcare professional, as soon as you hear IV antibiotics, you know that it is serious. So there was me. Okay, wonderful. Got, um, went to go and pay. They knew that it was so serious that they were like, they was they scrapped payment. They were like, go, go now, even though I had the money in the hand. Um, and I don't think I'd be here if it wasn't for her. Um, but we got into the car, and my dad took us to the uh, to hospital. Um, basically, my mum phoned and was like, we need pyjamas, we need phone charger, we'll be home in a minute. And he needed to take us because um, the hospital where I had all my treatment, they were having a whole load of work done. So basically, building an entire hospital on the hospital site, absolute nightmare. But there was no parking. Um, so we went in, but the big thing that we were asked was which hospital would we go to? And so we stated, and I think what had happened is they phoned forward because it was so dangerous. Um, within two minutes of being in A&E or the ER, whichever you like to call it, we were in with triage and... About 30 seconds later, the maxillofacial unit were in with the triage. Um, and this is where everything then got serious. Um, the sepsis 6 was on point. Like for one, the MaxFax team, they were there as soon as I got there. So this means that um, a senior consultant was actually called within an hour. But the fact that they were called before I even arrived was life-saving. Um, I was taken down to have an x-ray. I was bumped up ahead, went back into A&E minors. We were bumped ahead again. All I can say is I knew things were serious when there were 44 people in A&E, and we went in first. Um, I had my bloods taken. I was on IV antibiotics. I was on fluids. I was on steroids. Everything to bring down my, my temperature, my pulse, my, uh, and bring up my uh, blood pressure, because I have high blood pressure. Well, low blood pressure anyway. Sorry. They needed, to, they needed it to be higher. And so I'd walked down to x-ray and walked back. But by that point, I couldn't. So they had to get me a wheelchair to, um, pardon me, uh, to actually go to the majors part in A&E. So I was there for five and a half hours. Um, I had to have a CT scan instead of an MRI. And this is because I have a metal um, 
a plate in the side of my head because I have a bone anchored hearing aid. Um, usually it would be a, um, an MRI, but in my case it wasn't. Um, after having the CT, which was about five and a half hours later, um, because they were just trying to regulate everything, I came back and then we were wheeled off to have a have surgery. Um, and this is where things were interesting because I had to have two anaesthetists. Um, and this is so because with my particular type of sepsis, it was something called Ludwig's angina. And Ludwig's angina uh, makes your throat swell. So by the time I got into the intubated, they couldn't intubate down my throat. They had to do it down my nose while I was still awake. Um, which was fun. Um, but in between, they were putting a little bit of anaesthetic in my left arm. And the guy doing the intubating was on my right side doing my right nostril. It's really bizarre that you remember these kind of things. And it took about 20 minutes. And then the next thing I remember was waking up in recovery with two drains in my neck, my throat being massively swollen. And so basically I was Frankenstein's monster crossed with a hamster. Um, and I remember hearing, I think it was around this time, uh, about just after I woke up, it was the doctor and the anaesthetist saying that I was not able to leave recovery until my pulse had come down to 110 per minute. And when I got out of hospital, I actually checked my Fitbit, which I know is a bit weird. But when I was checking my Fitbit, I looked at what my pulse was. And I didn't check what it was like first thing in the morning of that day. Um, or to the point where it was 11 o'clock where I was put on antibiotics. I actually looked just before I had to take my Fitbit off to go into surgery. And bearing in mind, I had been in bed since Tuesday morning. Well, Monday night, really. I had a pulse of 169. So it was like I was running a marathon while I was lying down. Um, I was in recovery for a few hours and then I was pushed onto the ward and I was there for a few days. But the big thing with me is I am asymptomatic. So this infection had been building and building and building. But the only thing that I had actually had was 
the sickness and diarrhea from my patient and a little bit of tooth, uh, well, a little bit of toothache. Um, it was not fun. Um, especially for a person who's scared of needles. Yes, I can, I, I, I'm trained to give a local anaesthetic, but come near me, no way. But with the amount of heparin, IV antibiotics, um, the dye for my CT scan, which actually leaked out, so they had to do a second one. Um, I felt like a pincushion, and when I got out of hospital, which was because uh, I went in on the Thursday and came out on the Sunday, I thought that would be the end of my story. However. It was just the beginning. And if you listen to the next episode, I'm going to be talking about my experiences with post-sepsis syndrome and um, how it can be really detrimental. Um, and it's something that a lot of healthcare professionals have no idea about. Okay, I hope you enjoyed my story. If you've got any um, how can I say? Uh, if you've got any questions, leave me uh, leave me a question, and I will get back to you. Because what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be doing a Q and A once a month. Um, I am then also going to be. I also have a Facebook group which is called Your Sepsis Stories Podcast, and I also am on Instagram at laurawilliams.sepsiseducator. It would be really nice to see you and I'll see you soon. Take care, guys. Bye. Hi, guys. Laura here from Your Sepsis Stories. Hope everybody's staying safe and well. So today I'm actually kind of doing a little bit of reflection while talking to you about my experiences with sepsis as a podiatrist. Um, so, uh, let's get started. So, yesterday I was, uh, I put up a video on my Facebook page and my LinkedIn and it was saying that if you're a healthcare professional, um, <clears throat> and you wanted to hear any more information about sepsis, um, basically give me a shout and um and then one of my one of my friends julie um she was like oh yeah you were like an amazing cohort and all of this because she was one of the receptionists at the hospital at that point and i then said something that it was like whoa it was truly profound actually that made me think of what I needed to say today um and the reason why I was I am so passionate about this is because when I was in university 
we would always be like, if you see somebody with cellulitis or if you see somebody with ascending cellulitis or if you don't think something's right, if you've got someone with an infection and they've got a red mark, all of these kind of things, get them to get antibiotics and get them to A&E as soon as possible. And I think up until that point, I'd been really kind of happy with being like, yep, yeah, okay, cool, send them to A&E, that's their problem. And then I realised that that's actually part of the problem. That's actually part of what is going wrong. If we all work together, we can help save lives on a better basis. Um, so one of the positive things about COVID, I will say, is the fact that if, like, because I was a private practice podiatrist and well granted we check people's pulses we do all of that kind of stuff we um we will kind of be looking out for things like mottled skin and all of the things that they say to do with sepsis but it's the fact that it's not absolutely okay, you need to make sure that you check someone's pulse. You need to check someone's temperature. You need to... Actually, one of the first things that you need to do is making sure that if that person's got an infection, actually going through the signs and symptoms of sepsis. Like, And also, for me, I think having those signs and symptoms up in your clinics is paramount because Joe Public don't know and like when I've I've been because I'm writing this book um which I think I've got a name for by the way um I'm I'm not going to tell you today though uh I'm going to be putting it out to uh, the sepsis community first um and oh what was i saying um i want people to oh yeah so if we uh, i'm wanting people to see about having the signs and symptoms up on their walls in the clinic because if joe public see that um see the signs and symptoms often enough like they did with stroke it might go in like slurred speech excessive shivering and muscle pain no passing urine breathlessness feeling like you're about to die mottled skin and if if we're able to do that we can reduce the one in five deaths worldwide But we need to do that through education. And we need to do that through education, not just in the medical field, but for regular people as well. Um, and when, like, 
actually back to what I was saying before. Sorry, I'm I'm on a little bit of a rant today, aren't I? And it's like I actually had a person contacted me the other day on Instagram and was like, I'm really worried. Um like I don't know if I've got sepsis and all of this. So she went to the hospital and I actually said to her to say to them ask them could it be sepsis so they they did a number of the uh the tests but they didn't check her bloods but they did give her an x-ray and they they were looking out for different things but I've just actually advised her to kind of keep an eye but knowing the sepsis six as in like making sure that you've got um a consultant there making sure you've had your bloods taken you your blood oxygen levels done checking your fluids your lactate you uh urine output get it making sure that they've got iv um and doing that within the first hour if we had already taken their temperature and their o2 sat as well as their pulse before they'd even got there it means that triage have got something to work against if we put the time that they were seen because it can then see how the patient is deteriorating and yeah so it's my kind of thought of the day really as healthcare professionals we all need to work together and listen to each other. Okay, take care guys, and I'll see you soon. Okay, bye!